This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Shauna Tompkins. I'm from Mount Vernon, Washington. Right on. Well, hey, you know, we've actually met before. Um, I uh, I fancied myself a CrossFitter for a little bit, and I just kind of want to – I always like to throw a disclaimer out there because oftentimes I interview people I have, I've never met before. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, um, you're quite the athlete. Oh, thank you. It's just something that I truly enjoy. Yeah. Uh, how long, you know, what, can you kind of go through, I, I mean, we got a ton of stuff to talk to, but I, I just kind of want, you know, a lot of times people just go out and they, they just have fun in the woods, but uh, you, you go out there as it's not like a, uh, a known athlete per, per se, uh, like nationally or anything, but, but you really truly are. And can you kind of talk about um, kind of some of the stuff you do to get yourself out there and be able to do bigger, better hikes? You know, the truth is, is that the older I get, the more I understand the desire that I've always had to always be ready to be able to do whatever I see that might look fun. Um, I wasn't born with a athletic physique or a, or a God's gift to mobility or any of that kind of thing. But when it came to anything that anybody put up, I was given the greatest gift of all by my parents in telling me that there's nothing I can't do. Now that said, I'm, you know, I'm barely five foot five and a buck nothing. So there are things I can't do, but I didn't really believe that there wasn't anything in the world that was out there that was beyond my reach. If it was legit, if it was logical, um, and I wanted to work for it. And that was the caveat in my family is that you learned that whatever you want to do that is rewarding will take hard work. And if it doesn't take hard work, it's probably not that rewarding. Um, so over the years, I started out as a kid in soccer and I mean, at four or five and played through uh, senior year of high school. And then, oh, fast pitch softball was in there. Basketball was in there. Again, five foot nothing really wasn't my favorite <laughs> sport. Um, uh, there was, I wanted to be a water ski star. Well, we didn't own a boat. Um we, I wanted to, we did skiing, um, but never really was all that concentrated on mastering anything else because throughout my growing up, my father raised cars and that's what we did every single weekend from April till October, every weekend, no matter what we were racing, um, so the lifestyle of having a weekend to do really anything else when the sun was out wasn't in, it just, 
we didn't understand it. It wasn't what we did. Um, I raced for 18 years uh, from uh, age just over 14 until 2004. And after that, all of a sudden, we were in the middle of building a race car retail business. So instead of actually racing the cars on the weekend, now we're selling the parts on the weekend. So <laughs> that there wasn't a there wasn't a weekend to celebrate in the mountains. So it just it didn't exist. It wasn't even a thing. And I remember as a kid seeing people driving by with tents and backpacks and stuff in their cars headed somewhere. And I remember it the vision clearly and, and and here I'm riding along in this, you know, a uh, couple hundred thousand dollar race truck and trailer. And I have what most people would think would be like the most, the coolest thing ever. But I saw that side of the street and I went, I wonder what it would be like to go up there. But I didn't, didn't take, take any more than that of it. I was already head deep in what I was doing. Um, so fast forward to selling those businesses and all of a sudden now there are weekends and I had discovered I'd always run all my life, but I had discovered that there was this thing called, uh, distance running. Um, I was looking for people that were more, uh, associated with my beliefs of a healthy athletic lifestyle and, Anybody who knows anything about uh, anything below semi-professional auto racing, the lifestyle that's led there is not the healthiest. Mm. Um, a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, a lot of pit, pit shack food. Um, not Fitness is just not important. Lifestyle of joy and challenge of the physical style wasn't all that important. When you're in auto racing, your whole life's wrapped up in it. Um, so I thought I need to find a different group that I understand and that understands me a little bit better. And so I showed up at the running store one day, um, probably one of the most providential things I've done in my life because there was a guy there that just was so nice to me. And all of a sudden, just like to the point where like, would you kind of leave me alone, dude? I mean, I'm, <laughs> you know, just uh, stop talking to me. I'm not supposed to be social here. And, and turn out this dude is now my husband. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we went on some runs and there was group runs and these people were, were challenging everyone else and, and, and congratulating anyone else and supporting everyone else. And, the running community was just something I had never seen before. Um, we were getting together and runners love to eat. You learn that real quick. So the topic is usually food. <laughs> um, and so we're, you know, going out to eat and we're, we're planning our next run. And, and I got absolutely head deep into it. We were doing 50 K's and 50 mile races um, marathons every single weekend and this went year round. So finally my, my summer of fun turned into, ah, I could do this all year. And it got to be a, a thing. It really got to be fun. And the, the ultra running community at the time was super low key. It was, it was inexpensive. 
um, you could go and pay 30 or 40 bucks and get treated to a wonderful 50 K stay the night, whatever. Um, it was just like, this is just awesome. And as with anything, 50 K turns into 50 mile, which turns into hundred K, which turns into hundred mile. And pretty soon I realized that instead of living a healthy lifestyle, well, now I'm living more of a, I got to do this because it's what I do. And that's kind of what I was trying to get away from. So along came our first backpacking trip and I felt like I was going so slow, like we're never going to get there. <laughs> and we stayed our first night and we did, we had done some fast packing before and that sucks. You're out there with nothing. You're not comfortable when you get to camp. You're, you're just, your, your camp time is not enjoyable. Um, and also we, I had at the time we had got my little boy, my, my Sammy Tompkins in 2013 and he wanted to go. He, he wanted to be out there and I could take him when he was younger on, you know, shorter hikes and shorter runs, but he couldn't do long distance till after he was one years old. Otherwise everything would have been, you know, too early. So we just kind of started realizing that we can go shorter camp with more and really have a chill, wonderful camp in a beautiful place and talk about a look forward to. So that's really kind of where it all started. My very first backpacking trip, I absolutely hated it. We got rained out. It was <laughs> freezing. It was, it was, I, I have real bad rain odds in my hands. I couldn't get the bear bag down. I mean, it was just like, this sucks. I don't want to do this again. Well, the next, the next weekend we were back out there. So, <laughs> that's kind of where it began. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, to touch on a couple points, um, I really resonate with, uh, I really, I really like what you said when you when you're saying that you're always in shape and ready to do what you want to do because so many people you see, especially like on social media, they say, you know, I'm thinking about getting in shape so I could do X, you know, and it's like, well, hold on, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, I really like your attitude with that. Is that something that you've kind of, you know, it sounds like that's something you've had your whole life. It's it's super important to me. Um, it's my it's my and to steal it from tony robbins it's my hour of power um if i get up no when i get up early early my alarm goes off at 4 30 every day and monday wednesday friday since 2007 there's four or five of us that have been meeting at 5 30 in the morning monday wednesday friday to run um and then tuesday and thursday i coach crossfit at 5 30 and Saturdays I coach at seven. Um, that is my time. And it is, there's nothing that gets in the way of it. It is just super, super important to me. Um, if I've gone and done a run or CrossFit in the morning, um, it is, you've already succeeded twice. You woke up in the morning you give thanks for the day and you've already succeeded the first time before you get to CrossFit, you spend an hour doing functional movements that are varied 
across broad time, you have succeeded twice and the rest of your day, you have that to use. And without that, I don't think I'm strong enough to handle a day. Um, mm. CrossFit came into my life in 2007 during the beginning of the ultra running. Um, my, uh, actually Joe's ex-wife was the one who introduced me to CrossFit. <laughs> um, and I remember going in the first time with Skip Chase, who Skip Chase opened the seventh CrossFit ever. Mount, Mount Baker CrossFit was the seventh CrossFit ever. And I remember walking in there and Skip Chase let me do the seven wall ball, seven ball slam, seven step up workout for seven minutes. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I'm in better shape than this. <laughs> and the next day I thought I was going to die. So CrossFit just kind of said, oh, I'm here. And it's been something I just, I absolutely love it. I love to coach it. I love to give someone else that best hour of their day. It just, I love it so much. Nice. Yeah, we definitely get you ready to go. I know, um, unfortunately, <laughs> some some folks, I know with me, um, with injuries, you know, I'm constantly getting injured every time I walk in the gym. <laughs> I know it probably has to do with some of the movements I'm doing on my end, but um, a lot, of, but but let me tell you, when um, when I was going to CrossFit regularly about three or four years ago, I had the best summer hiking of my life. I mean, I I'm, I was putting in easy twenty mile days, no problem. You know, uh, didn't matter what I had on my back. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's just such a good thing. But I don't want I don't want to talk about CrossFit all day. Um, you know, we one thing that we we really wanted to connect on was talking about your dog and. Um, I know you've put in some amazing, uh, amazing hikes. I mean, you, you guys didn't you do all of Washington? Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, last year, um, best month of my life by by absolute far. Again, I have done a ton of stuff, and I have had a very full life, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, and that was by far the best month of my life. Um, in April of last year, what, so, so, uh, rewind a little bit. Um, this boy, this dog that's sitting here next to me, um, he was absolutely, we 100% won the lottery when this boy came into our life. Um, he is able, he is strong. He is, dedicated he is he is that essential eye contact that you get in the day he he's he deserves for every single day he's alive he deserves for every single day to be the best day of his life and i haven't had a dog since i was 12 years old um because i knew my all all of me would be in to doing just that, making their day the best day of their life. And I, I was too busy for that. I wasn't ready for that. Um, and one day on an absolute whim, I was just looking at Craigslist and I, I kind of always wanted a blue healer and I was pretty, I was severely unemotional about it, but this post popped up and it was one, one line, one, no picture text reply only. I, I, there's no reason I should have kicked, clicked on this ad and to, to top it off, Shahalis. And it said, Gila Ridgeback Mix, 80 bucks. That's all it said. 
Mm. Didn't know what a Ridgeback was. Didn't know anything about it. No picture, no name, no, no, no Craigslist reply. I was going to have to text somebody. Not my thing. I would have never done that. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I eventually, long story short, I eventually texted her and she sent me a couple pictures. I was still unemotional. And I thought, well, I'll go down Saturday. And, you know, if I'm still emotional about it, I'll bring him home. And I drove down again, still like, eh, kind of whatever. And, you know, out bounced this cute puppy. He was wiggling and he was peeing everywhere and he was so excited. And the gal um, that owned him looked down and he had a, a name and I can't remember it, what it was. It was like Dundee or I don't know, something. And she looked at him and she says, Dundee, go over and go pee. Remember, this guy's 10 weeks old. Mm. And he looked up at her, looked her right in the eye, walked over and squatted over in the bushes and came back. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> this is kind of cool. And I looked down and all of a sudden he reached up and wrapped both paws around in my knee. And it was like, take me home. So I thought, all right. So I handed her the 80 bucks and in the truck he goes. And I'm sitting here driving along from Chehalis, look going, what have I done? I have now 15 years of uh, dedicated to this guy's life. Um, anyway, fast forward and, and we started hiking with them uh, when my friend Rachel and her first dog who passed um, Casey, Casey was an older healer and Sammy irritated the living heck out of this older healer. And, uh, we started doing some hikes, the four of us together. Um, Rachel is a friend of mine, and she's absolutely one of those friends where you say, get your jacket, get in the truck, we're going somewhere, and you just go. And we had that relationship. We were adventure buddies. And um, and I, I can say are, but she's moved away now. But um, anyway, Casey passed, and she got a young healer named Emma who – now irritates the heck out of Sammy, kind of a nice turn. But we started hiking and we, we did, you know, some local stuff and some overnight stuff. And Joe and I and Sammy did some overnight stuff and some couple day stuff. And we have, we live in the North Cascades. I mean, anything but mm. the North Cascade National Park is our playland. Um, you know, it's a hop, skip and a jump to the goat rocks. And you can spend any amount of time on Mount Baker. I, the Chain Lakes Loop on Mount Baker is my absolute favorite for a one night it's it's just majestic as i'll get out night and morning um and so we would do a lot of that and in 2016 sammy and i by ourselves went and did our first solo um it was just he and i first night we had a uh my gosh it was like a 60 degree night sun was out we sat by this little lake having our chili and it was like I have this little boy laying in my arm. What better way to be out here? And, you know, to do your first solo is like, I got this. And it feels, it feels like I, I kind of know what's going on. I had no clue, but I kind of know what's going on. You know, you're all proud of yourself. And then, you know, Rachel and I did uh, Stevens to Snoqualmie, which is 75 miles. You know, you're doing, we, Joe and I had actually run that as a run um but rachel and i did a hike with both dogs and uh we did it in uh three nights um 
and that was our first real kind of be out there out there because obviously there's no support on that trek um and that was in 17 um and i lost my father in early 17 uh sammy went through some big time cruciate surgery because of the breed he is um so 17 was an extremely rough year uh did everything I could to fight some pretty serious depression. And come 18, it was time to, it was time to put that behind me and it was time to do something to figure out what I wanted to do to grow again. I had been just, just stagnant with all the stuff that was going on. Um, And I said to Rachel, literally on a whim, and I would really, you know, someday we should just like, just do Washington. And she goes, let's do it now. And I went, Oh crap. Okay, let's do it. And so in April, we made a thing that we were going to do the, uh, the Washington section in 18 with the dogs. And as much as I had paid attention and studied and looked at it and the much as, as much as the PCT logo just had this thing with me, it just has always meant something to me. Didn't know why, but it did. Um, now we were going to get dropped off in Oregon and we were going to walk to Canada. And it was just like, it was on. I mean, the only thing in the world that mattered at that point it, from April on of last year was the PCT. And we make all our own food. Um, we make all our own food for the dogs. Um, so we did all of that. And the planning when you're doing something that long is, uh, the planning is, geez, I think it's, it might be more than half the fun because you're, <laughs> you're just, you're making all these, you're coming up with all these snacks and these food and where you're going to be and where you're going to stay. And Rachel is like the best partner ever because she's part of the planning. She doesn't like back off and just kind of let you do it. She makes amazing food. She um, w- is looking at things and coming up with things and she's working on her own gear prep and I'm working on my gear prep. And um, we thought, I thought I knew a little bit more than I did. And <laughs> I have, uh, I didn't. I mean, I, I really <laughs> didn't. Um, I tried to calculate how much gas we were going to use. And pathetically, I will announce this on the air, that we literally for eight days between the two of us, yes, we were going to cook the dog's food and our food. We took seven cans of fuel. Mm-hmm. Seven. Wow. <laughs> Needless to say, we only needed two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we literally left with some enormous packs Um we didn't know what we were getting into because our first stop was going to be White Pass. We didn't plan on going to um, Trout Lake. We did end up going to Trout Lake, um, <laughs> and that's another funny story. But we planned on not. We planned on going to White Pass. Well, then the fires started last year, and um, instead of White Pass, we ended up going to Packwood because White Pass was the firefighters. Um, camp that were fighting the local fires there. Um, so we ended up going to Packwood and, and staying. So again, we, you know, that was the kind of the beginning. Um, I don't know how much you want me to kind of continue about what the month was like, but that's kind of how it started. I mean, that's the, that's the funny thing is you, is you could do as much planning as you want, but you'd never know what's really going to happen. Right. 
So yeah, no, to keep going. Now, this, this is a good story. Um, so we, uh, so let's see, we got through, we got, we got about through day three or four and, and there was two ladies that were hiking and with us, not with us, but we were actually seesawing with them. They were older ladies than us. They were slower than us, They, but they had more experience. And I remember on night three, um, actually, excuse me, night two, we got to the bones, quote, quote, they call it the bones. There's a, there's a, a, a bunch of old uh, deer bones that are shaped in the, in the shape of a skeleton at the top of this trailhead. And that was where we were planning on camping. So we, you know, we said, we've said called it the bones ever since, but it was our first dry camp. Um, and Sammy's food and Emma's food, they take quite a bit of water to rehydrate. We had, you know, food that was going to take water to rehydrate for both breakfast and dinner. Um, and we learned real quick, by the way, that in a single wall titanium pot, you don't boil the food with the water or you're going to have a, a black burn dinner. Um, you got to, <laughs> you know, boil the water, then set the food in, it, food in it and set it aside. Well, we'd only had double wall pots before that trip, so we didn't know. Um, so we burned two dinners and I'm fine choking down whatever, but Rachel absolutely would not eat burned food. So she starved for both a breakfast and a dinner. Um, it, you know, and we, we got to this, this, this bones place and these two ladies had already eaten their dinner by the water. Oh, newsflash. That was smart. Um, <laughs> then got to camp. They were at camp, set up camp and snoring before we even started eating dinner. And we remember being just so schooled by these two ladies and what a cool moment it was to be like, we have so much to learn. This is so cool. And, uh, so we, we, uh, were laying there both. We, we all brought our own stuff. So Rachel and I, uh, had two tents and, you know, obviously our dogs stayed with us. So we use a, a two man tent, um, for us and the dogs that way we have our packs and we have everything in the tent um and can have plenty of room we both bring a mat and a um and something to sleep in for the dogs i actually put sammy in a coat a human actually down jacket with a hood and zip it up and what that does is it doesn't allow him to wiggle out of it and get cold in the middle of the night so it allows me to sleep well that was something I learned, you know, over that trip. Um, and we woke up that next morning. Well, let me rephrase that. We got out of our tents the next morning because while they were snoring, we were awake. Um, and uh, we continued on and pretty quick we realized that, hey, this Trout Lake thing sounds pretty good. So we'll get down <laughs> to Highway 410 then and we'll uh, – we'll get our phones out and, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll hitch a ride and, and all this stuff. And you get down to 410 and you're like, <laughs> no cars, no cars, no cars. We're hitching. Look at your phone. No service, no service. I don't know about this hitchhiking. Uh -huh. thing. It's working off that well. And finally out comes these two ladies and these two ladies are not, I'm using the term lady because that's literally what they look like. They were tough as nails, but they were ladies. Um, 
one was a school teacher and I, and I can't remember uh, what the other gal did, but they were, you know, they were skilled hikers, um, but they were ladies. And there's a gentleman that pulled up in this black Cadillac SUV with black interior. My dog is a healer. He's white. Hers is, is a healer and she, they're gray. Anybody who knows healers know they shed beyond belief. And I thought, and this guy jumped out in pressed pants. Um, well, come to find out, he was waiting for his wife who was coming Sobo. And he waited around, didn't say anything to any of us. And Rachel is a, a very pretty young girl. So we all sent her down to try to get us a ride <laughs> down below. And it's terrible, but we did. Um, and these poor two guys that were hanging out at the trailhead there, they looked at each other like, she's a pretty girl with a dog we are never going to get a ride and so <laughs> anyway we uh finally these this this guy i think he'd waited long enough and he felt so bad for us that he told us hey you guys get in i'll take you down to trout lake which is about a 20 minute each way ride and it this story i'm not going to use the f word but the f word is absolutely required in this story so <laughs> bear with me this gal the one said to the other, she says, oh, I feel really bad. I'm really dirty. And I, and the other gal cut her off and she said out loud, she said, if someone gives you a ride, throw your effing pack in the car and get in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And we were in stitches. I mean, we were absolutely in stitches. And we got out of this guy's car when we got to Trout Lake and it was covered in white hair. I mean, covered uh -huh. from Sammy'd been out in the trail for five days, right? Um, we felt so bad. He's, oh, don't worry about it. That was kind of our first taste. Um, so we went to Trout Lake and oh my gosh, there's no better place to walk into as a hiker. They just welcome you with arms and there was, uh, there was a... Um, there was a birthday party and Trout Lake's big enough that a single birthday party for a big family reunion took up all the campsites and all the motel rooms except for one. Uh. So we finally got a campsite. We were able to, but we were right next to the drunken brawl all night. So we were happy. We were, we, we were fed. We were, we were good. Um, got back up the, uh, I think his name was Mike. And he spends his time trail angeling from Trout Lake up to the trailhead for the PCT, back and forth and back and forth. And um, just, a, it was an amazing experience to see that he did this every day during PCT season, every wow. single day. It's like, wow, these trail angel people are amazing. Um, wouldn't take a dime. If you gave him money, he would buy food for other hikers that needed it or whatever. It's just awesome. Um, and then we uh, continued on, got to got to uh, the Goat Rocks, slept there in uh, Cispus Basin with mountain goats mm. above us and green around us and, and, and mountains to look at. And, oh, the Goat Rocks is just phenomenal. Um, is that where you guys had to get off, though? Is that where we went? Well, you had mentioned there were some fires there. Did you have to get off in the Goat Rocks? After the Goat Rock, oh, yes, okay. we had yeah. to take an alternate that was awful. But 
that was going to be our long day anyway. We had at the time, that was going to be our 28 mile day anyways. And, um, we decided that we were going to be so excited to see the knife's edge that that had to be it up to the left. Well, anybody who's gone northbound on the PCT knows that the knife edge is to the right. Well, we were just playing around and we were planking with our backpacks on on rocks and having a ball and we ended up going over four miles the wrong way, not because we didn't have, you know, um, um, uh, the, uh, pardon me, I just lost the, the guy, not because we didn't have our navigation, but yeah, well, we were just not paying attention. So we ended up adding eight miles to a 28 mile day that day. Um, mm. and headed through the gnarly, it was, it, it, it was just a gnarly rough, low, um, broken up, you know, alternate, but you know, thank God it was there. Showed up at highway 412. I'm sorry, 12. And, uh, we were supposed to come out at white pass. Well, the alternate didn't, it came out down the road from white pass and it was a solid 90 degrees. Um, Washington 90, everybody knows that's hotter than 90. And we walk out at black asphalt. We got two dogs, thirsty, tired, 36 mile day. We walk out at black asphalt. And the only reason I knew which way to go was because I knew Packwood was below, literally elevation wise, below white pass. Um, and boom, along comes a firefighter relief crew who was feeding and taking care of the firefighters at, in a big Ford pickup. Mm. And she whipped over to the side she saw she goes you guys trying to get to uh, up to the camp and like oh we you know we'd absolutely love to and she goes get in so we jump in the back and in the back of her truck was an enormous hose that she had an enormous diesel fuel tank back there and it was a diesel hose all coiled up uh, so we, our dogs and our backpacks all sat on top of, if anybody knows what diesel fuel feels like and smells like when it gets on you, we were covered in diesel fuel now because uh, uh, uh. we were sitting in the back of this truck. We were so thankful. And she offered food. And here we're hiking. We're walking on a trail. And here's these 2,000 firefighters that are saving people's lives and they're trying to give us sandwiches and we're like are you kidding me no way you keep those you take care of those guys that are you know we were like i just can't believe how people were so we got our boxes at the cracker Barrel, and we ended up going down to packwood and at the time because of our 36 mile day and our off trail adventure to get back to the pct after finally opening gut hooks and going oh my god we're so lost anyway we had uh sammy had killed a toenail mm. and any of you uh, dogs know that they that really hurts them it really really hurts them and it was literally ripped in half um and what are you going to do right i mean what are you going to do he doesn't want to walk it hurts um 
it's now in Packwood, it's 104. So he doesn't want to go outside. Um, you're leaving the next morning in theory. So, okay, well, I guess we're going to take a zero tomorrow. Um, and not much to do in Packwood when it's 104. Uh, not much to do in Packwood anyway. Certainly not much to do when it's 104. Um, but, I mean, when's he going to be able to walk? How are you going to fix this? How are you going to keep the inside of the nail from being exposed to infection? What are you going to do? That's like when you're hiking with a dog. What are you going to do when that happens? Well, let's see. We need to seal it off from infection. So I've heard this before. So I went down to the desk and I bought some Gorilla Glue. So I Gorilla Glued his toenail, literally, so that nothing could get in. Um, and off we went. So he put a, Sammy had a sock on um, with duct taped on so that the the dirt and pieces wouldn't rip off the Gorilla Glue deal. But for the rest of the trail, um, if you look at any of the pictures, he had a sock on his back foot. Um, and we went through, oh, I think eight socks oh, <laughs> um, wow. between then and the end of the trail. So, you know, that was our real first, what are you going to do? if they can't go any farther, I mean, what, what would we do? Would we end our hike at that point? Well, if your dog can't go any farther, you end your hike. That's really how it works. And it's really hard to fathom that just because of a toenail, a dog can't continue. Well, they can, but they know they're not supposed to. They know they're not supposed to walk when it hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, that was our first experience with what are you going to do? Um, turns out we were able to kind of get through it. Rachel was saying, no, you know, should we go home? Should we? No, you figure out a way just like, well, you know, you figure out a way. So fast forward to the Snoqualmie area. Um, Rachel came down with some kind of an injury in her inner hip and was literally unable to continue. So now our fun camps our awesome pct hike was over we thought um but we made a deal going in that if one of us got hurt that the other had to, it was totally okay to finish mm -hmm. um and so she insisted so, so joe and and her and her boyfriend at the time came and um and picked her up and Joe continued on to Snoqualmie with me from Tacoma Pass. So he, he did about 30 miles with me. And he and I and Sammy as a family ended up camping one night. And, um, and then going into Snoqualmie, I took a Nero the next day. And we did uh, Stevens to, or Snoqualmie to Stevens, Sammy and I. You know, uh, we did uh, two nights. Um, we did some long days. We did two nights. Actually, no, we did three nights. That's right. And we took, we came into Stevens and we did a Nero there. Um, and at Stevens, we just stayed the night in a hotel. Joe got to come down and, and meet me. So we resupplied there. 
Um, and then when we left Stevens, um, I had actually, before that I broke my phone. Um, I had a real routine that was super important to me. And because I'm taking care of Sammy, my routine was always get to camp, get his food started, um, get set up. Um, and then we could kind of do whatever. Um, breaking down in the morning was literally wake up, start coffee, get up, you know, go to the bathroom and then come back and start his food so that it's cool enough for him to eat. That takes another, you know, five, 10 minutes from what we do. Um, and he is lazy in the morning. He wants scratches. He <laughs> wants to hang out in the tent. You have to literally deflate his pad underneath him and yank his sleeping bag out. And once his sleeping bag out, he's out, he's like, fine. And then all of a sudden it turns on and he's game for the rest of the day. Um, get him all, you know, get all packed up for the both of us and move on. Well, when we got north of Stevens, all of a sudden the smoke started. So we got one day, we got above Lake Valhalla. Um, I can't remember where we camped that first night out of there, but we got one day of beautiful, glorious sunshine in Section K and the beginning of the views. From that day on, uh, we never saw a thing after that. It was constant, total smoke. Mm. Um, so we were doing 28 to 36 mile days, uh, through section K, uh, and it didn't matter cause we were out there. It was just, it just didn't matter. I'll go see section K. I've seen section K. I'll go whatever. It didn't matter to me. It was like, I get to be out here hauling the mail with my dog, having a great time. Um, and everyone who's been on section K knows how hard it is. It was easy to not get to see because it was so hard. You could just focus on the hard and that was fun for us. And Sammy would go to bed after a 36 mile day and wake up like nothing had happened the next morning. He was just ready to rock. And that was wonderful. Well, fast forward to the end of, of, of the first part of section K when you're going to head down to Stahican. Well, alternate again. So the alternate was you either went around or you went into Holden and took the bus to Stahican, the bus and the boat to Stahican. Um, and quite frankly, at that point, I was ready for a bed. I was ready for a meal. Um, I was ready to get him some rest. And I didn't know a thing about Holden. Not a thing. And when you're out there with a dog, you have to prepare for places that take dogs. If it doesn't, then you're both sitting outside with your dog, eating your meal in whatever weather happens to be, or you're staying in your tent in the parking lot or whatever of a place when everyone else is getting a bed and a shower and all these great things. You don't have that option. Um, and there are a lot of places who just don't want dogs around. Well, Holden is a no dog place and there I'll be darned if I will claim him as a service dog because he's not. Um, 
So when I got there, I walked in and I'm thinking, okay, just let this place take dogs. Let this place take dogs. Let this place take dogs. And I, I walk in and I asked the guy, I said, uh, Hey, we're here on the PCT. We're doing the alternate. We could really use a bed. Um, is there any possible way that you'd take a dog? And he, he asked me if Sammy was a service dog. And I said, Sammy is not a registered service dog. And he looked at me and he said, does he serve you as your best friend? And I said, yes, he does. And he said, I claim Sammy is a service dog. You don't have to. And I, I literally reached, wanted to reach over the counter and kiss the guy because mm. he totally understood he just totally understood. He could see Sammy just laying there tired. And anyway, it was, it was glorious. Um, they asked me to leave him in the room and they asked me to you know, just take him out and make sure he's social and talks, you know, he doesn't make sure he's not an aggressive dog and all that stuff. And I said, absolutely. Um, so we got to stay in Holden for one night. They broke the rules for me. Um, mm. It was amazing. Anyway, so after that, we got, from Stahican, we, we rocked up to um, uh, Highway 20. And at that point, the trail was closed, closed. The fires had closed the PCT at that point. Um, and they had offered the alternate. Well, I've done Ross Lake out and back twice. Um, not my favorite section of trail yeah. to go up to Monument 79. Um, it's just not. It's just, it's just not my favorite section of trail. Right. So I thought, yeah, what the heck? I'll I'll just go home. This I'm good. So Rachel came and picked me up, and we went home. And I thought about it for a couple of days, and I said, you know what? No way. I got to go do this. So went back up, drove my truck up, and Sammy and I went and touched and came back. And when we got back to our truck, we headed over to uh, Mazama because the most amazing coffee in the world is at the Mazama store. And we deserved one because we had just hiked Washington and uh, got to Mazama and turned on Wi-Fi. And the very first post on Facebook said, PCT now open. Ah, oh, no. Oh, yes. So we were, that was Labor Day weekend. And Joe and I were planning on going over to Mazama and going to the rodeo because we could take dogs to the rodeo. So we got to, you know, we got to do that. And. And during that whole thing, I'm covering work and saying, hey, I'm going to be gone another week and this, that, and the other thing, and kind of silently planning. There's no way I cannot walk into Canada. There is just no way. And so back home we go, and Tuesday morning, got dropped off at Rainy Pass, and we went and actually finished the PCT and walked into Canada. Um, knowing full well that at, at the resort there, and in, when you get into uh uh, Manning Park, they do take dogs. And so we literally got to sat, sit there together, my boy and I, and revel in the fact that we have just completed Washington State. He'd just done what turned out to be 580 miles. And absolutely the best time of my life. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's cool as you, as you listen to the story there because uh, there's so many points to pull out uh, with – you know, hiking this, this type of a, a hike with dogs. And, um, sometimes it's the people that help, but, but I mean, a lot of times as I was listening there, I mean, you had to figure it out yourself, you know I mean? The, you know, you're on the trail and it's like, well, do we go home? Do we not, you know, are we going to be able to get, uh, get a place to stay? Or are we not? And you know, those things you can't really plan for, right? 
no, you can't. And um, fast forward to last spring, for example, we went down and we, I needed, I needed some time in the sun and I wanted to hike with Sammy and I wanted to um, have a chance to do some PCT last spring. So we decided we were going to go down to Idlewild and start there and then go touch the southern border. Um, it was early enough in the spring that it wasn't going to be 100. Um, I, I thought, hey, we'll have no problem in the desert. And Sammy is a ridgeback, and ridgebacks have the thickest pads of any other breed of dog. Um, so I thought, okay, that will be good insulation for him. Won't be any problem. And in getting through uh, after Idlewild and then down into about mile, uh, be at Mary's place, it starts becoming a, a really blasted granite type terrain and it chafed his paws. Never had that problem in his life. He, at the time, is, is five years old and never, ever, ever. Well, we're from Washington, right? Everyone said if the sand is hot, it will burn his paws. But it wasn't that hot, but it was hot and rough combined. So pretty soon, it got to the point where he, he couldn't walk anymore. You couldn't see a single thing on his pad. It wasn't blistered. It wasn't red. It wasn't black. It wasn't anything. But they were chafed. They had been chafed smooth. And he couldn't walk anymore. Sammy is 60 pounds. I'm 120. So my option is to, and I carry a harness for him, um, uh, they make a, an amazing adventure harness that only weighs a pound that if I need to, I can put him on my back, put my pack on my front, put him on my back if ever he got hurt. And my option was, am I going to put him on my back and continue? Um, or am I going to bag this? Uh, we got the scissors crossing and so we, we, we zeroed for a day and then, uh, I thought he was ready to start. He seemed like he was ready to start. He wanted to start. Uh, we got uh, out just south of Scissors Crossing, and we had to literally limp our way to mile 68 and get uh, Ghost, who is the most amazing guy on the planet, um, actually drove up an awful 4 by 4 road to come and rescue us out of 68 because Sammy couldn't walk anymore. Mm. Um, you can't force him. And you're not going to. It's not worth it. Um, we learned another lesson there. Um, the, the fact that if they were to get sick or if they were to get injured or if you come across a ladder, does your dog know how to climb a ladder or get onto your back when you climb a ladder? You can't carry them up a ladder. You have to back them up a ladder. Or you have to climb up backwards with them in your arms. You know, are you capable of taking care of your dog when it gets bad? And our egos say, well, of course we are. Uh, mm. Your ego doesn't do much for you when you're out there. <laughs> it just isn't much help. <laughs> so so it, is a, it is quite a learning experience. And everyone says hike your own hike, right? You don't get to hike your own hike when you're with a dog. Mm. You are hiking their hike. And when they are done or if they are getting super tired, you stop. 
doesn't matter where you are, whether you have enough water to stop at that point, whether it's the right place to stop at that point, you stop. That's it. That's how it works. Um, if you're coming to a restaurant, let's say, let's say you're coming to town and you're just so excited to be to town and let's say it's pouring outside. Um, you're hiking with a dog and here you go. You're, you're rocking along and, and town's 10 miles away and you do your 10 miles and it starts to pour and you looking forward to that food and drink. Well, where are you going to sit and have that food and drink when you have a dog? You're going to go inside with everybody else? I don't think so. You're going to be sitting outside in the picnic table in the rain having your food and drink or put your tent up. That's your option. Yeah, you don't think, leave your dog outside. You know, they're with you. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even think about that. It's good that you bring that up. I mean, that's, you know, it's not about just you at that point. And, uh, I, you know, one thing I kind of wanted to touch on before we we uh, we say goodbye is uh, kind of, kind of one of those topics everybody likes to debate about and um how did you handle uh sammy's poop sammy will not period on his own i have not trained him he will not poop anywhere that anyone on the planet is ever going to step on it he goes and hides to go to the bathroom if you can find sammy going to the bathroom good luck he goes, he goes so far off trail, you cannot find him, and then watches to make sure nobody's looking, and then goes to the bathroom. <laughs> so Sammy hid his own so far off trail, it was disgusting. I mean, just finding him was something else. If Sammy ever poops in an area where there is the possibility of smelling, seeing, or doing it, um, I took it with me. Um, and I buried it. Uh, if, but he will not. I don't care if you're walking in town. He just won't go. He absolutely won't go. He goes in a six by six spot in our own yard so that he can't possibly step on it. And it is in the farthest corner of the yard. I, I mean, literally, he doesn't, he won't. Secondarily to that, Sammy eats absolutely nothing processed. Mm. Um, Everything I feed him, I feed, like I said, I make his food and zero of the foods that he consumes are processed. Um, so, and I, this might be controversial and I apologize if I'm offending anybody, but what comes out of this dog uh, came from the earth. So, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's how a, I handled it. Well, that's why it's funny when people talk about, um, a lot of pack animals or, or horses on the trail and say, oh man, all this poop on the trail. And it's like. Yeah, but you know it's gone in like a day because it's just it's part of the earth. I'm not saying that you should leave your dog poop on, right in the middle of the trail like that, but um, you know there there is a lot of truth to that, right? I don't believe in horse poop being left on the middle of the trail either, um, but I don't mind as long as they scoop it to the side. Um, I would never. I w I believe in the golden rule and I live it. Um, I live it every day. And I don't want to do anything, anytime, anywhere to ever inconvenience another person. Um, Sammy never did in any way. He would brighten so many people's days by being out there um, and just truly, truly be uh, a joy. Uh, and if he wasn't, we wouldn't be out there. 
And that's just me personally. Um, I don't believe that I should ever uh, make your day worse. And if I do, boy, that's something I'm going to live with for days. Um, and I want, I, I want that for everyone. I want everyone to, if someone's afraid of dogs, you can see that as you're hiking, if they're, if they're coming towards you, you can see that. Um, we step off to the side and I will reach down and hold his bandana, even though I don't need to, but I will hold it for that person's security. Um, there's so many times on a trail where you, you see folks that should leash their dogs and they do, then that's the right thing to do. Um, Sammy's never on a leash unless we go into a Lowe's or a Home Depot or whatever, but Sammy's more concerned with me than I am with him. And that's not every dog. So being out there with a dog, and again, these are all just my opinions. I'm no expert, but being out there with a dog shouldn't be any different than being out there with a friend you can't have your friend out there playing their music at, 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 you know, at 80 decibels either. So you, you, you have to share the trail with however it's needed at that time. Nice. Yeah. Um, definitely some controversial stuff there. Uh, that's, you know, it, I wish more people would, uh, have an open mind to talk about it like you are. And, and, and that's really where the conversations should begin. Um, well, hey, Shauna, we got to get going here, and I just I really appreciate your stories and and honestly, opening the 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 topic of letting people understand how to handle a dog on the trail has just been an excellent. I really appreciate you letting me share, and again, I'm no expert, and probably some of the stuff I'm saying is is in the controversial side, but that's how we did it. We did it extremely successfully for us. Um. And absolutely had the best month of our lives. That's amazing. Yeah, and 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 I think I think a, a lot of people can can listen to this and and just say like, now maybe I could do it. You know, when you when you when you you can see a picture of somebody with a dog on the trail, okay, whatever. But when you actually hear your story, uh, you're and Sammy, you know, hiking this, uh, you know, all of Washington on the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, you know, now maybe somebody could listen to this and say, I could do that now. You know. Right. And again, remembering that we did ask permission to go on leash between uh, Stahican and Rainy Pass, because that is in the park. Um, it is in a place where he's not allowed. The reason that we can't do the PCT is Sammy is not allowed in the three national parks. And there's a reason for that. And it's, it's required of us dog owners to honor that. Um, they're, they have to take the majority of why dogs shouldn't be in the park, and they have to take the majority of dogs. And, yes, a dog like Sammy where he just obeys the rules better than most humans um, does get kind of shut out on that kind of thing. But it's the law. And we don't belong in the national parks with our dogs and we don't belong affecting anybody else who's on the trail with our dogs. And that's, again, these are all my opinions and I don't, I'm no expert, just someone who really feels passionate about people's and animals well-being. Right on. That's, that's awesome. Well, Shauna, thanks so much. And this has been a, a great discussion and um, I just really appreciate your time. 
Thanks for coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast. And thank you for having this because it's a truly enjoyable podcast and you have some really cool people I love to listen to. So thank you very much. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. I come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong.